episode number 87 of the Tarn Running Shorts podcast, hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, Kyle Gregg. So Tom, you're looking like a wee thug in there. You know, not only is your, your beard still there, that, that rusty thing in, the, in your chin, you're looking like a thug as well at the same time. So what, is you, you left your windows open again in your house? What, and, good uh, evening. What's it, Storm? What's the name of the Storm? Storm Brendan. Storm Brendan's creeped into your house, I see. So yeah, I've come in, listeners, because it's absolutely Baltic tonight, and I've got my hoodie on, and thank goodness I've got a bit of facial hair to keep me warm, because it is freezing. It's like, what is it, mate? 60 mile an hour winds at the moment. Oh, it's, uh, this is brutal conditions, folks, so if you're out, out for a run tonight, in the, especially along the promenade, or <laughs> up in a hill, do, let, do get in touch, because we'd love to hear all about uh, whether or not you've, you you managed to survive or not. So, well, I've uh, started on a, on a, on like a, I don't know, it seems to be on a weekend. I've started getting to have a scrolling on the TRS club on Strava just to see what various people are doing and who's listening. I'm going to do it tonight. I expect to see many, many tornadoes in the oh, descriptions. I, hope so. I, I really hope so. So anyone who's listening, well, actually, this might not go out tonight, but if it does, um, yeah, please, please, um, you know, rename your Monday night activity to to brutal conditions um, and you won't get you won't get any pelters coming coming your way from the TRS squad so um, yeah. so yeah well speaking of brutal conditions um, a few things we've got on the we've got some brutal and some not so brutal conditions on the cards this week we're going to talk about Run Sterling and all the all the races that went on this weekend that the the great event down there where it was brutally muddy we're also going to talk about the Valencia 10k which was must have been fantastic conditions because we've seen a world record and a Scottish record oh. drop. And we're going to have a wee catch-up on what we are going to be doing over the next three, four months ahead of our races, as well as an interview with Scottish Marathon Project athlete Craig Ruddy, which is really cool. Well, that's exciting, yeah. And there's a lot of content bringing to, given to the listeners this, the, at the start of the decade. So long may it continue, eh? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So Kyle, as always, let's hear it. What have you been up to in the last week? Do you know what? My week's been fairly uneventful. Um, right, I've got a bone uh, to pick with you. I oh, cannot... What have I done now? Jeez. Right, this is... Where is your training on Strava? I'm, I'm going there. You're the most, secretive, ma- you're the most secretive man I've ever met. I want to know I'm what doing, you're doing. I'm doing all this hidden training. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm doing hundreds and hundreds of miles uh, per week, you see, so I don't want to... Yeah, no, I don't want anyone to get my um, follow my training plan. You see, you know what those <laughs> that that type of that type of runner who who keeps it secret. And do you know? I've actually got a shed load of um, of sessions that I just I'm I'm going to be honest, half honest here. I just can't be arsed uh, uploading them on this on the Strava. What I don't understand is why is your watch not set up to auto upload? Mine uploads the minute I get well, in with about thing. fifty meters of my phone. Well, well, this is the thing. I used to, but now it just doesn't sync to my my phone so it was on bluetooth and it would auto upload and i just don't know why it doesn't auto upload now it's really annoying i just like and then i i don't know i just it's it's not i'm not scared to show people what i'm doing or what i'm not (laughs) doing i don't really care to be honest you know because it doesn't really impact on anyone other than myself um (laughs) <laughs> Must be a nightmare for Lewis trying to keep oh, track yeah, of yeah. what you're doing. You know, I, I, he does get annoyed, and um, I always say I'm gonna put it up. So, but I, I try and let him know what my sessions are. If there's any key sessions, I'll like. To, but I, I never. Sometimes I, I I forget to put my watch on, and or the battery's low, and I just I'm just like, oh, you know what? Like, just go out. 
And then I'm like, well, what's the point of uploading my set, my, my Strava when half my activity is not even on there? And I just, <laughs> and, and plus, I can't be arsed manually uploading every run that I do if I don't put my watch on. Yeah, I've got so painful. much, exactly, I've got so much other things to, to do than to just manually uh, upload. But do you know what? I'm just, that's, that's the height of laziness, really, isn't it? Well, I think that that your problems can be solved with some basic tech. Next time I see you in person, I'm going to look at your phone and your watch and get them hooked up. Well, I would really appreciate that because um, it used to be Sintu Mute's count or something, and and every time it just Bluetooth, it, you, you've got to actually log in to to Sunto, not like you know click on the app for it to sometimes automatically upload. And uh, I remember. I remember at the UTMB, I think, uh, trying to upload it onto my phone. It just wouldn't happen. Uh, maybe it was because it was so so many hours worth of activity. I don't know. But it was just a pain in the arse. You know, I, I just I just got annoyed with the technology. So if anyone, um, yeah, if anyone knows what I'm doing wrong, because I Google it and I, I look at the troubleshooting. And I even messaged Suto one time. They said to do X, Y, and Z. Did it. It still did bloody work. So <laughs> this I'm is like, a terrible advert for Suto. It is. It is. It must yeah. say. It's a terrible ad, ad, advert for technology, really, because it probably just doesn't happen with Suno. And another thing about running with a, a watch is maybe not just Suno, any watch. I went out for a run, battery was low, right? Stick it in power saving. I think I already mentioned this. And it slows my, my pace per mile to 15 minute per mile. And there's no way on earth I was doing 15 <laughs> minute per mile. I was running about a seven minute mile. I thought, this is ridiculous. So I'm going to upload something that looks pathetic, uh, like I ran, uh, <laughs> I don't know, an hour's worth of, of, of running at four miles for an hour. It's like, what were you doing? It probably doesn't even, it probably go, looks at my, my pace and goes, well, that's not a run, mate. That's a walk. So I'll upload <laughs> a walk instead of a run. I'm just like, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with technology, Tom. Wow, just, that's, I, what a run. It's what and then, a run. And then uh, another thing is, right, and we, we upload these podcasts, right? The amount of times I go, eh, eh, eh. And like, I'm looking back going, buddy, I need to get rid of those eh's. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, what the, the Charlie Spedden interview, I'm like, eh, eh, each time. <laughs> Try to take out all the eh's, you know? <laughs> and uh, something he said at the end, I had to take that out too. <laughs> so uh, I was just like, bloody hell, this is just, oh. Do you know what? I was, uh, I was listening. Who was I speaking to? So shout out to a, a local guy we know who listens, Chris Cowley. I saw him a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me that he listens to podcasts using an app that automatically cuts out "s." Really? So, there, so knowing that, there must be a way to edit and cut them out, which would be oh, news nice to us because I, be... I don't bother. So hence, there the "s" are left in. But if we can do an automatic, that'd be amazing. That'd be so good. <laughs> I mean, I think you did, did. You know, was it the thing that you used to say was "so"? You say "so" quite a lot. I don't know if you yeah. say it anymore. I say "eh," you say "so." Like, if we can get rid of those. Like this podcast be will be it'll be fit for the radio. I'm going to here's a here's a, a mini resolution and I'm gonna try and not say so anymore as I'm a leading ch- word. Okay, I'll say I'll try not to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be so impossible. I've just said so for you there. Um uh, anyway, I have got no idea where we were. I That's we're a hell of a rant. Well it was a hell of a rant. And I guess the outcome of that is that you've got uh you you've got you must have a rough idea in your head of what training you did, even if it's not digitally captured. Uh, well, I didn't really do much at all because I've got a, a bit of a cold. Uh, do you know what? On Saturday, I, I ended up being really I don't know what it was like a migraine or something, so I didn't run oh, at dear. all. And I ended up being sick, and 
Oh dear. I was. Oh, I was. I wasn't great at all. But I'm fine now. So I've, I've. I'm just a wee bit under the weather the last couple of days, and I must say I'm quite lucky. This is. I've not really been. Um, I've not really had any illnesses for a while, like you know, a mild cold or anything for the last few months. So this is the first one in a while. So I'm, I've been quite fortunate. So I've taken a couple of easy days off, Tom, and um, just tried to get my strength back and make sure that I'm I'm taking my my vitamin D and or in my in my having enough vitamin C to keep me alive. So that sounds sensible. Well, that's the thing. I always think when you're ill like that, you don't. Have... If you can, if you're confident, you could run through it and not worsen it. Great, but if you're really in bad shape, just get over it and and not worry about the training. You know, losing two days because you don't run when you're ill is nothing compared to two, three weeks of degraded training if you plow on and or just make it worse. So, as Tom Bryan would say, what's another day? What is another day? That's Tom no. Bryan of old. That's the Tom Bryan. The that's the injured Tom Bryan. <laughs> what's like, another oh, day? Out for, four, out for four weeks. What's one more day? <laughs> <laughs> says that every day for another four weeks. Yeah, I'm not saying that anymore. No, now, not, no. I've got a new I've got a new motto for 2020: NDO, no days off. And no I don't mean I'm, I don't mean I'm running every day, but I mean every day I'm doing something for my running. I'm either if I don't run, I'll do strength and conditioning or some some sort of stretching, waving my legs around in the air, something like that. But NDO, no days you off. Done any uh, single leg hops up the stairs yet at your work? No, so as you pointed out last week, I'm pretty sure in an oil and gas company that's not going to go down so well. Hopping up the stairs, <laughs> especially even if I'm holding the handrail, it won't be allowed. Really? Yeah. My God, eh? Oh well. Well, anyway, talking about holding handrails to, well, I'm 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 sure holding a handrail at run Sterling would have been there, uh, would have been something that would have helped the runners get get to the the finish, eh? Absolutely. What's yeah. that like? It was muddy as hell, mate. It was a. Uh, it was really really muddy so the course was on a kind of yeah we were down i was watching and it was it was around a kind of golf course for half of it in a sort of playing field type or just park actually the second bit and it was hellishly muddy and you know when they've got a silly sort of courses where it winds the the course is like back on itself a lot in a in a section and yeah as a, it was some really buggy corners and i actually saw i was running around all over the place and i saw chris jones he had a bit of a lead at one stage and took a fair tumble on a corner and the group caught, caught him back up at that stage. Oh, really? So, yeah. And he still managed to win. Still managed to win. He was a class. Oh, class, Jesus. Class above the rest. It was really, right. I really enjoyed watching, actually. It was good yeah. to watch. Um, well, let, well, let's talk about, you know, you're watching, you know, not the actual Run Sterling event itself first, because um, I realised I was a bit selfish there and went from my training to the race and didn't ask you how your, <laughs> your training yeah. was going. <laughs> who cares about well, Tom? Who cares about me? <laughs> Tell us about just, your training then, eh? So if anyone's interested, my training is on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> my training is going really well, mate. I banked uh, I banked 78 miles last week. So 78 miles? Jesus. Yeah, so back in action. So I did a, I did a 19-mile long run, and I did, which was good at the end of the week. I also did a progressive 10 on a route that I quite often do that sort of run. So a real benchmark. I said so again. A real benchmark that shows me I'm not quite where I need to be, but it's, it's fine. And yeah, on Saturday when we went down to run Sterling, I dropped Fiona off and I went round to the Foreside Leisure Centre in Sterling, which is where the Sterling 10K starts. And I did a session starting there and basically run the Sterling 10K course, which was quite cool. So I just did a couple of miles warm up, 12 by a minute, and uh, with a minute recovery, and then then a couple of miles cool down. So nothing too fancy, just a, a week of solid mileage. The main thing for me at the moment 
I saw James physio on Friday and we were had a bit of a geek out on kind of my running data and stats and looking at the injury and things and clearly my cadence is not high enough so my cadence sits at like 164 165 which is which is just not high enough um and the plan is to get it up to about 175 180 which when i'm running fast if you look at my efforts and my races it's okay i mean tilly 10k was at 178 it was fine so i'm working on that so i've actually been running with a metronome a couple of times last week and oh, that, okay. that's really i've got to say it was something a shout out i don't know if he listens or not russell willicks clubmate of ours he did that and it, how i was using our aftershocks headphones which were excellent i've been nice. running with them with the the metronome set at 175 you had oh my you so you were with a in fact let me let me play the let me give you the a little taste of what I run to. I didn't even have any music on. I just had this on, and I did it for ten miles. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. My God. So yeah, That's quite, it. quite dull. But Would anyway, you, could, could you not get like a? Can you not find going on on the, something like Spotify and find a, a song that has 180 beats? So you've got a little bit of variety in your life. I could do, but I don't mind it. Honestly, the, the beauty of the aftershocks are that you're not—you can still hear everything that's going around you. So it, it well, almost, that's true. Yeah, it's just like true. a sort of background beat, and actually, it's so effective. So I look at my my data after the runs, and it's constant 175 cadence. Amazing that I can bring it up just by going to 175 with a metronome. And I'm really pleased, actually. It, I'm, you know, one thing with speaking with James, you know, I'm looking at the data, and if you think take a classic sort of 80-20 split, 20 percent. Of your week, 20% of what you do is quality. The rest, 80%, is is sort of is towards the easy side, and that means 80% of my mileage and my time running, I'm not running efficiently, and I'm not, and I'm, I'm running in a way that is looks like it's getting me injured, which is probably why when I back off the quality a little bit, when I'm tapering or post marathon, why I've gotten injured the last few times. It's, it's laziness on my side, laziness, lazy form. Anyway, the objective is to not be lazy and really think about it. So I've been running. With the metronome, I did a, I did a ran a commute ran commute last week with the metronome. I did a ten mile on the treadmill on Friday night with the metronome, Oof. and which was a bit of a dull affair. But it, it seems to be working. I've, and I had it out again today. My plan is to most of my easy runs use the metronome, except the long runs I probably won't, and the sessions I don't need to. And I'm hoping that will start to ingrain a bit of increasing my cadence. I'll get used to what that sort of rhythm is because I really need to get it up. I think it'll it'll make me a better runner. Well, that's uh, that's really good to hear that you're you're taking your running seriously, Tom. And you know, and, and I suppose as much as I know about biomechanics and running, but you know, if your cadence is higher, you're there's a there's a lot of the times you're overstriding, and if you're yeah. overstriding, you're not efficient, and you're 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 landing uh, a lot more um, a lot more shots going through your body as well. Whereas I would you know a higher cadence is less. Um, yeah, less shot going through the body. So, so it's good to see that you're, um, you're, you're, you're trying to do that. And I've actually done that as well, especially for ultra runners. It's actually really, if you if you have got a really low cadence, then um, it is actually quite a, a you know a great idea for ultra runners to be doing that too. And um, but but not not to say uh, there's a gold standard. 180. They say it's a gold standard, but everyone's different. And if you are a runner out there who runs 160 beats per minute don't don't think don't feel that you have to increase your cadence because um there's a lot of other 
um, reasons why it could be so low. And if you're achieving PBs and you're not getting injured, don't fix something that's not uh, that that's not broken. I'm actually looking at your one of your few runs I can find. I've taken a, a random Cal Greg run on the Tuesday, the December 17th. An easy run on the beach, and your cadence is 180 on the nose, mate. Oh, really I, nice. Uh, thank you. I've, I've many years of running, I'm years of perfection. They call they, they call me uh, running. What was it? Running poetry and running, or running in poetry? That's me. <laughs> poetry and running. <laughs> I think it's. I just think it's. It's interesting that you can, you know, running. One of the things I love about running is you can just put on a pair of shoes and do it. But I think when you're training, you need to think about everything that you're doing. And clearly, that's something I need to work on. And it's amazing with sort of the data you can get now when you're running that I might as well use it. You know, I've got a fancy garment that can give me all this data. I should use it. Have you still got that thing that measures um, your your imbalances and your uh, your if you if you lean to the left or you lean to the right, yes, I sure do. That. I sure do, and that has been amazing. So I went through all that with James, and what's interesting as well is when I'm running fast, my not only is my cadence quicker, my stride is is a little bit my stride or my step length is shorter if you like. My stride is long, so I'm moving fast, but my step length is short, and my ground contact balance is much better. It's like 50-50. Whereas when I'm slow, I'm up to about 160. I uh, sorry, I'm down to about 164 cadence my and i'm just lazy and i got to about 56 57 percent on the right foot so it's really it's really interesting to see that that's i think we're starting to get to the bottom of my issues wow well that's really interesting well you have to let us know how things are going in a in a week by week basis and i will do let's see that cadence uh and, and if you haven't already follow tom bryan and strava there's no point following me, so. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it'd be good to see that that cadence because you can get your cadence on Strava, so people can see what your cadence is like. Yeah. Yes. So cadence is on Strava. That's which they carry. They must carry that data across, which is which is cool. And uh, anyway, so my training is going well. Good week. I'm really pleased with where I'm at. I've gone 55, 55, 70, 78 in the last four weeks. I feel. Next week, I can probably start to bump it again, maybe 80, 85. And that's probably where I'll sit most of the block, to be honest. And I feel, I feel you know, I'm one of these guys, and again, data, and this is one some people may not trust, but I like the, I quite often follow the Strava Fitness and Freshness, which if you're using Training Peaks, is the same, that sort of, what is it, um, stress score, training stress score, whatever it is, TSS. And Strava, yeah, got yeah. One, Strava I'm a, premium Strava member for my sins and I, I I use their fitness and freshness and it's what I find really interesting is when I don't when I stopped training in fact I've got it up in front of me when I was stopped running for four weeks of no running and then two weeks of not much running and it, my fitness drops like a stone initially and then slowly drop, de- drops down but in the last two weeks since I've been doing a bit of volume it's shot back up already so I was for reference and again this is going into the boring parts of data but I don't care I've got a platform I'm going to go for it when I was injured at the start of the year I went my fitness dropped down to a number which is pretty meaningless uh 54 for what you whatever whatever that means 54 off your stress score 54 is like the Strava fitness number if you like right that was in that so that's uh the, the low point there was February 26th I then started training I managed to get myself up to a training score of 85 by the time I ran the Boston Marathon. Look at you. Right? 
I cracked on and eventually I PB'd at Brian Goodwin at 114 and then at the time Amsam came around I was up to 125 which is pretty much where I was when I was when I ran Frankfurt. Frankfurt was 130. Now I've dropped all the way again down to 52 the lowest it's been in two years but already I'm back to 84 in two weeks which is where I was at Boston. So how did they know that then? So it's all about training them. So again, it's their algorithm. Pacing you. What, what about heart rate? So heart take, rate you need heart rate for it. So it takes yeah. heart rate off the watch, which is why it's maybe not, some runs are maybe not that accurate. But if you take, for example, it gives you a training stress score. So my long run yesterday, 19 miles, but two hours, 10 on the feet or something. Training impulse of 248. Quite a big right. score. Today I did an easy run and my training uh, impulse was 25. So not much. So, so it's basically, a, a week the, comparison. so if you're doing like a, say, a 5.30 minute per mile, for example, it'll, it'll show you, see your, your heart rate, your pulse rates. I don't know, yeah, when, you're, when, you're fit, yeah. when you're fit, you're 160 beats per minute, and then when you're unfit, you're 190. So oh, that's kind of potentially how you get some of that stress score in. Yeah, I think so, and it knows, it'll know that if but I'm Your fitness saying, score. A fitness score, well, it's, I don't think it's, I think it's more cumulative, so it knows that if I'm not doing anything, it must say day by day your straight your training score will your fitness will reduce. And it also has fatigue and form in there as well. So for example, I was you know my fatigue is quite high at the moment because it's I've been training a lot and I'm apparently quite unfit. But I think it's it's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I'm not the numbers are probably meaningless, but it's the trend which I like and it's quite it's I always to be honest I tend to use it more when I'm coming back from injury because I find it quite motivating to see on a plot my fitness getting better which i know it is because every time i go for a run i'm feeling stronger and stronger but it's also quite motivating to look at a plot and, and see it do that and actually what's quite interesting is during the summer there i was doing pretty consistent training week on week the same sort of stuff and actually my fitness was dropping and, I, and actually when i looked into it i wasn't doing the big days were not that big and it's yeah. those sort of big sessions and long runs that really contribute and it kind of reinforces what are the real key quality parts of your week yeah that sounds good, really interesting what, well, yeah, for maybe you, may, maybe for some people <laughs> for me i don't care <laughs> i'm joking you've got to remember me i've just moved jobs into, i've just moved jobs into big data so my god interest me so the all you number geeks out there i'm sure you've all you're all switched on all you non-number geeks have all turned the the podcast off so tom Thanks very much for losing half our listeners. <laughs> I've also gained half. You know, if you're, yeah, if you're a new runner and you love, you've googled this by the hashtag data driven running, then welcome to Tartan Running Shorts. Yeah, one of the you know one of the new topics. You know when we hashtag our topic, uh, what kind of topics Tartan Running Shorts? It's like sport, marathon running. Uh, what's the other one? Num- numeracy as well. That'll be another yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> data. <laughs> Uh, yeah, hashtag, no. That, yeah, hashtag big data. That's that's yeah, big data. That's us. That's us. That, that's really cool. Um, but I don't really know much about that. I use um for some of the guys I coach. Uh, I use Training Peaks, and they've got their own training scores as well. Oh yeah. Um, I always I, I always encourage them to to use their heart rate as a as a way of measuring uh their progress and and how well they're running. But I don't. I'm not. I'm not hugely sensitive if they don't use their heart rate every session. So, um, so it's quite nice to see the trends as well from them. And, and there's a few guys, you know, I've I've had for. I, I don't coach that many people, but 
Um, it's quite a nice group I've got. And when I look back in their training, it's really, really cool to see the progress that they've made. And, you know, for example, if you see they were running an easy run at seven and a half minute miles and their heart rate was like at, or, you know, 130 beats per minute. And now they're running seven and a half minute miles at 110 beats per minute. It's pretty cool to see that. And even when they're doing faster sessions, it's, it's great. Um, so they're, you know, they've just got a different um, point in, in terms of, and you can see all that data as well. It's, it's fantastic. But I don't try and get hugely caught up on it either, you know, because I think data and numbers as well as um, how you're feeling, your perception, your rate of perceived exertion is, is also quite, um, uh, can go hand in hand with some of these uh, numbers too, I think. Mm, indeed. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm all numbered out, Tom. Where the hell well, are we? Well, the one thing, so on training, the one thing I want to pick your and the listeners' brains on is, now, I'm, I'm in terms of 2020, clear as a whistle, all in for London. That's the ha- that is the TRS hashtag. Hashtag all in for London. That's what we're, <laughs> that is what we at TRS are. Now, I need to do some races in the build-up. I'm going to do the Kinloss to Lossy Half on the 16th of Feb because I quite fancy getting something six sort of weeks into this block just to get a feel of where I'm at and you know really try and hopefully see see some evidence of the progress but I'd like to do a half four or five weeks out from London now I don't know what you're planning Kyle but I am at a loss the only one I can find is Aloha and the problem with Aloha is it's a pretty Aloha can be quite a tough race and I would wouldn't mind running something relatively fast but I can't um, I just can't find anything Inverness, Inverness half. A bit early, I think it's. I, w- I mean. I think Inverness half is. Um, is it not? Or is it early? Is it start of March? Is it? Yeah, it's like the seventh or eighth. It's a which is a great race. It's just I wouldn't mind something a couple of weeks later. There's a run Geary events. Oh yeah. But uh, that's at the end of March. Yeah, that's so actually that your, might be right. You've got your half marathon there. It's um. It's not a it's not a bad event. It's not a bad course, the the half marathon. Um it's undulating but I've I've got a, there's a few hills, but it's not, not the slowest of courses either. So that could be an option. So listeners, there must be an enormous amount of you doing the London Marathon. Let us know, is there a, a half marathon you would recommend tuning up at? Because I'm all ears. Uh yeah, I, I'm 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 at a loss as well. I don't know what else I can there is also can, the Scottish, uh, the ten, the Tom Scott ten miler. Yep. I mean, you could do three miles before and then ten miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you could do ten miles and then just run, run for three miles afterwards. <laughs> That's on Sunday, thirty first of March. Oh no, that yep. was last year. That was last year's date. That'll be around about that then. Yeah, so that might be interesting actually. It's always the London big half, which is turns out. That's too early fast. though, mate. For me, that first of March. That just feels first a bit March early. As well. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie, do you know any fast half marathons coming up? Nash doesn't know. What is that tailwind point to point race? Oh yeah, the tailwind point to point race. I think she means um, not the sports nutrition drink. The uh, can lost to ha- to lossy. All right, I'm doing that. So you're doing that one. Yeah. And when's that one? That's in uh, middle of Feb. Mid Feb. So that is quite early as well. Yeah. That that's more a trait. That yeah. more of a an early indicator. Yeah. Well, anyway, listeners. I'm at a loss. Um, some of you guys might know, even if there's some northern ones in, in England, if there's if people are willing to travel. Some of you su- su- southerners in Scotland might well want to 
to make your way across the border in uh, England and, and find a half, fast half there. I'm, maybe. I'm prepared to travel. I'm prepared to get on a flight if it comes to it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, oh, I'm, I'm all in be, for this. There's got to be some fast... Uh, you know, you might be, be able yeah. to get a cheap a, a cheap half mile, you know, a cheap flight over uh, to the Netherlands and, and run a quick half there, you know. So uh, you were talking about what you're prepared to do. As I say, hashtag all in for London. If the if Beast from the East appears, I'm I'm not joking. I'm booking up. I'm booking a week in Mallorca and I'm buggering off to train there. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm not giving. I'm Fiona's Fiona's going to do London as well, so we're uh, we're going to keep keep the keep on the close of radar for some warm weather opportunity if we need to, because I'm not well, I'm, uh, I'm not losing well, a week. Fun. Well, that's that's a good point. So anyone, not everyone, not everyone's blessed to have a a championship entry, but anyone who who has got the qualifying time. The the last date for registering registration is the seventeenth of January, and it's now the thirteenth, folks. So make sure that you register in plenty of time so that you you're guaranteed your entry um, into London. Now, one thing here's an enticement for listeners who want to come to London. Kyle and I, and I'm, I haven't even talked about uh, to this but Kyle about this, but I'm on Kyle's wavelength, and I know that he's on board. TRS beers after the race. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Not only TRS beers, we're going to be celebrating a, a Metro British Championship uh, team prize. Well, eh? You say that, but as, as I, I saw an interview, I remember speaking to Craig Ruddy yesterday, which um, I'm looking forward to sharing with us because top lad and top runner, really interesting discussion. Craig's running London, running for Clyde. So is Sean Fontana and Al Myers, who are, that's a solid three. So actually, I think we've got our own solid team. We've got a solid. Don't get me wrong. We've got a great team, but I think actually it's going to be quite tasty. The Inverclyde boys, I'm sure, central with Mikey Wright and potentially, uh, well, Lewis Miller. Hopefully, he's going to get himself back into shape. And I don't know, maybe someone like Ross Houston might run. The actually, or Cameron Milne. Central could have a, a, a decent team, and it's going to get to the stage that on the embankment, if you can see a Scottish vest, as in a Scottish club vest, that's going to be a massive draw, a real oh, yeah. reason to push. Well, I mean, there's two. There's, I'm, I'm saying for the male metro now. The female metro team actually won the British Marathon Team Championships a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Indeed, that's right. Yeah, the 2016 was it? 16, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I'm not saying that we would hopefully get there. We have to think about the Scottish team prize first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's not get uh, caught, get too 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 far ahead, too ahead of ourselves here. Um, but uh, I, you know, our team's also quite strong. We've got yourself. We've got. Well, I'm, I'm not going to include me just yet. Um, of course, but, mate. Uh, well, come on, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, we've got Callum Neff. We've got uh, Rico, Rico, Rico. Rico, you know his cheeky little, um, you know, negative split special. Hopefully, uh, and uh, who else have we got coming along? Um, Will Mackay potentially. Uh, I think Will's doing the. Will is running the Brighton Marathon. Oh, is he? Yeah. Ah. Oh, well, anyway, we've got a few people. We've got, we've pipeline, got, anyway. we've got four. We've got four who should go under two thirty with a, with a, with two who I think can run properly quick. So, yeah, that's uh, the only. Yeah. So anyway, we're good. I think we're, we're we've got got a good option. So anyway, it'd be good to see the a few TRS folk faces after the race. Anyway. Oh, it would be yeah. So closer the time, folks. Let's uh, let's make a date and um, and let's have a few. A few sort of, um, you know, celebrating and commiserating. Ho- hopefully, mainly celebrating. Absolutely. 
So, so what else have we got then? So you're going to do London. What else is in the pipeline? The pipeline this year, if I do an autumn marathon, I've decided, and I may not do an autumn one. I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to wait until I see how we get on London. But if I do an autumn one, it will definitely be Valencia. So that'll be mainly December. That's a winter one. Yeah. So that's a, which is good because I think it'd be quite nice to have a bit of a break after London. And I, I quite fancy getting back into the hills again this summer. Quite enjoy oh, that. Yeah, I do. So I would, oh, like I, like to, I, I would like to pick another decent race like Ben Rennes to work towards. You know, Ben Rennes was, was cool. It yeah. was a ball buster on a hot day. That was, it was so warm, it was, That it? was a really tough day. Brutal. But I enjoyed it, and I'd like to do something similar. The two breweries I've always fancied. It's a bit later, though. And I know that the Westies boys have been trying to get us to go along to the Arocca Alps, which could oh. be an option. But that's a big one as well. That is a big one as well, Te- yeah. Te- I- technical as well, which is... Which would be a different. Uh, at least Ben Rennes was very runnable. Yeah, I'm. I'm. A, I'm not a big fan of technical terrain, but you know, if it if it means there's a, there's 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 a, it's a good race, good good food, and you know, a pro celebration, and I'm I'm all ears and all all eyes and ears. What is the one thing I would like to do this year? I would like to race more generally somewhere. I'd like to race more different races or races organised by different clubs. And I would also like to do some more championship races. So I'm wondering, what is the Scottish Hill Ring Champs at this summer? You're putting me on the spot here. You're supposed, no to, be the, you're supposed to be the Hill Running... Um... Commission member, I'm, I've stepped down. I'm, uh, I've, now handed, <laughs> <laughs> I've now handed it over to, to James Espy. Okay. So he's now, the, he's now the, the North representative for the Scottish Athletics Hill Running Commission. So there you go. Okay. Yeah. So uh, at the moment, I actually don't know. Um, you've got the, you've got you've got the Scottish Athletics Hill Running Championships, and then you've got the Scottish Hill Runners uh, League race, if that makes sense. Uh, league Championships. So um, it, 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 I don't know. It'll be out already, I would imagine. But if you go if you go on the website, Scottish Hill Runners, it'll probably tell you what the what the championship counters are for for this year. Um, in fact, as I'm. I'm I'm actually doing it right now, folks. So uh, if you just give me like on, yeah, I'm, I'm give me one second, <laughs> yes. I'll be able to tell you what they are. So here we go. Oh, here we go. So the first one is um, the Kirchmoor, um up in the north, medium distance, 28th of March, Stuka Croin, 2nd of May. It's a long distance, Hartfell Horseshoe. I've not heard of that one. A medium, 20th of June, Tomnabat. So that's a that's a cracking wee one. I've done that a couple of times. So that's um, oh, what's that one? That's the one I did, wasn't it? My pass. I think that's the one I did. It was a Highland part of the Highland Games uh, this year. So that's on the 18th of July, Glenshee Nine, first of August. And oh, that could be a good one to do, the Glenshee ah, Nine. Ah, yeah, that's a long one. That um, yeah. first of August. So maybe consider that one, folks. Yeah. Uh, Yetham Shepherd Show. That's a short one. That's on third of October. So there you go, folks. If you do want to, maybe some of you listeners are a little bit scared to go into hill racing. Do you know what? It's great fun, folks. It's um, it, there's there's different hill races to suit your 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 different taste buds, and uh, and I would definitely encourage you to get get involved. And the best website to you know, other than Scottish Athletics for hill races, ScottishHillRunners.co.uk is actually really, a really good um, reference for. For what what fixtures there is in the Scottish Hill Running calendar, so have a look at that, and you'll you'll get a wealth of information, not just about the fixtures, also the results, but also um, you know some of the safety things as well. And there's a few um, you know things about you know what what, what should you be taking, uh, what should you be wearing when it comes to uh, being out in the hills, not only for racing but also for training too. 
Cool. So there you go. So where are we then? Where so are we? Well, that's so you're going to do a bit of hill racing um, and, and mainly just a, a bit of club running as well. Club absolutely, race. yeah, absolutely. I would like to get my 10K time down this year as well. I think that's one that I've never run a 10K when I've been in good, when I've run, I think my, you know, look at my times in the, the 2.30 and the 1.11.5 don't quite sit with the 33.20 10K. So I wouldn't mind getting that down to under 33 minutes. And what I'm going to propose is we have a TRS away day for the Brian Goodwin 10K in Glasgow, Friday night, then hit the beers afterwards. Listeners, apologies for this, but we've got this bloody storm Brendan has knocked out the internet, so we've gone old school. <laughs> this is being recorded off a of mobile with a speaker, so that's why there's been a slight change in quality. But we're going to persevere, we're going to deliver a podcast, and we're going to move on to race news. So Valencia. Valencia, what a race that was. Hey, did you see Callum Hawkins? I mean, I, I don't know what I'm more impressive uh, Kipritich's um, world record or, or Callum Hawkins' Scottish record for uh, me it's got to be Callum Hawkins' Scottish record I think so yeah I think so you, was it 28 think about how old that record is it's Alistair Hutton's record yeah which is it stood for God, God knows how many years that stood for how, how many years do you know I don't know and with my internet being knocked out I've got no access to the results <laughs> either <laughs> But it's a long one, and it's it's well deserved. I mean, Callum, we've seen him taking the mar- take the marathon record. He's you know come back from the Gold Coast. We've said before, and yeah, really, really great to see him running at such a high level. Do you know what? How how old the record is? Nineteen eighty four. So it was set by Alistair Hutton in 20, when he ran twenty eight thirteen. Just FYI, uh, Callum wow. knocked uh, a massive well few seconds off what uh, 11 seconds off 2802 to finish in 11th place uh, in, in the event um, so that's massive I mean that's what that's 34 years that's amazing incredible amazing that is absolutely incredible you think of all so, the runners uh, yeah. who, all the runners who've tried and failed to take that out over the last over the years you know that's uh, that's a real show of how standard that he's at yeah yeah no it's really impressive to see that so, it's a, a massive surge in Scottish distance running at the moment, I think, uh, which is exciting. You know, we're getting back to those uh, those good old days, as as some would say. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, well done to Callum. That also takes him 10th place in the all-time list, uh, British all-time list for the 10K on the road. And uh, his the brother, Derek, Derek, was running as well, uh, ran 29-26. Wow. Um, so, yeah, good run from him Solid. too. And what was the world record then? The world record was... Uh, Set by Ronix Caputo, um, he clocked uh, a world best of 26-24. I don't know mm-hmm. how much he's taken off the record, but that's not not far off what the the track 10,000 meters is. That's incredible. And actually, so Ronix, he's the he is the guy who was who when we um, we met our our man um, whose name escapes me now again without my notes. Um, Father. Uh, Brother Colm. Brother Colm, that's it. Well, we met our man, Brother Colm. He was co- he's coaching Ronex, and he was talking about how he was excited about what he was going to do over 10K. Yeah, well, there you go. And he's quite young as well, I think. So a lot of potential from him. Absolutely. So. A hell of a time. Great job. Absolutely fantastic job. So Valencia, yeah. mate, is where you go to run fast these days. Uh, it must be, yeah. Like, that's, yeah, we need to... You're right enough, not just for the marathon... Or the half, but also for the 10k as well. Absolutely. 
My God. Really impressive. Well, let's get ourselves over there at some point then, eh? Indeed. So moving close to home, and I'm aware I've just used so again, I'm shooting myself down here. We also, there were some race results close to home. Now we started talking a bit about the Run Sterling, which which incorporated, it's kind of replaced the, the great international cross that we used to see at Edinburgh and, and then again Sterling last year. So we had the Home Countries International, Interdistricts and the British Cross Challenge all in the same race for the men and women. And before we get to the results, having been down there, my only feedback is it's a bit much. There's so You remember Edinburgh used to get, the Interdistricts was separate to the international race and, and it felt like a real building up towards a big race. There is so much going on there on on Saturday. At the same time, you've got this great castle series run that's running in waves. At the same time, that I kind of felt that it just lot that almost like there was too much in the same race. And you know, if we take one example. You know, a great result from our club, Ginny Baran winning the inter districts. You by doing that, you're taking away her moment of winning that race because she's like I don't know what she was, sixteenth or eighteenth or twentieth in the race. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit strange. You think you just have it separate, um, the inter districts and then all the other events. So, and and also as well, you know, I mean, no disrespect to to Ginny. I mean, she's a member of the club, great result from her. But like, you think would you not want to be? Can you not be included within them? You know, like your your first, if you're from the east, would that not be inclusive of your your yeah. result? You know, would that not? be classes winning the, in the districts. I don't know, no disrespect at all. Um, I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, for me, I mean, you've got Annabelle Simpson. I I just think it's, it's it creates these questions. I mean, in the men's race, we've got, you know, we had Robbie Simpson running in a club vest in front of all the East District guys. And I know Robbie didn't do the East District champs, but you've got to wonder why. I, I, I guess they maybe didn't know he was available. He didn't do the, the districts, but it just felt a little bit, unor- a little bit, too much going on and not that clear and uh you know what races are happening so i think um yeah i think i think that could be improved in future if i'm honest but regardless great event to watch i mean the women's race we start with that was uh was really quite cool we had you know at the front kate avery finola ross mary mclennan we sort of smacking it out early on and then we we whittled it down they whittled down to a slightly um uh smaller group and in the end actually I thought Mar- I was really impressed Mary McLennan looking really good in that race um, and if I just bring up the results it was Kate Avery for the win I believe uh, pass well, you don't have the results in front of you Tom do you? I do actually yeah I do I've just found them yeah so Kate Avery for the win uh, second in 29-20 second place Abby Donnelly also both, both uh, were in the English team and in third place, Bronwyn Owen of the of Wales in twenty nine thirty nine, and fourth place, Mary McLennan twenty nine forty seven. That gave England the win. Um, second place was the Scottish team, which was Mary Annabel Simpson and Nick Mulholland, and uh, and third place was North of England. So, good run from Nick. I think that's how I pronounce it. I was I was corrected for my pronunciation on Saturday of some of some names. Um, <laughs> And then in the, on the inter-district side, it was, if I get the individual results up, because again, that's a bit, if I, I'm going to have to read this off the team prize. Inter-district's team, it was a, uh, sorry, this is, I'm going to extract them from the main results. That was a win for uh, Jeannie Barand, 31-10. Uh, 
Uh, in second place was Michelle Sanderson, West District, 31-29. Third place, Rebecca Johnson, who's Scottish Unis. And that gave the win for the East. Second place, West. Third place, Scottish Students. Fourth place, North. All right, fantastic. So, so would you so would you go back again? Would you take part in the event, Tom? Do you know what? I didn't really feel like I was missing out on on anything. You know, I, I was really it was really cool to watch. I really enjoyed watching the elite races, and you know the I get you know if we touch on the men's race. We we talked a lot about Andy Butcher last week, and I guess the big the big highlight there was Chris Jones took the win. Really good to see. We we're big fans of Chris on here. Good win for Chris. Second place, and this was the surprise one, Jamie Crow, second place in 25-43. Third place, 25-49, Adam Hickey, who just edged um, Andy Butcher in a sprint finish, who was uh, just behind him in 25-50. So quite um, quite good, quite surprising and really impressive to see Jamie Crow mix it up there. Chris Jones, just dominant, really impressive uh, there and, and I, so in terms of you ask as an event I really enjoyed watching it it was a great day for athletics really cool to see a lot of Scottish club guys out but if I'm honest I would have much rather watched that race as an inter-district race separate and then the international because I was kind of getting I'm watching the elite race which is great but actually I'm trying to keep an eye on watch the districts and see who's coming through we had some of our mates were running as well um, and if, in fact if I jumped to the district results on the men it was of course, then you've got a Celtic Cup as well, it seems. Anyway, on the inter-district side, it was a win for Sean Chalmers, Scotland North in 26-28. Second place, Tom Martin. We talked about him last week. Great result for him. He will yeah. like the East Home, 26-29. Third place, Andy Douglas, Scotland West, 26-45. And the results overall gave the win for the East. Second place, Scottish Students. And third place, Scotland West with the North in... In fourth, so really, really cool. But just as I said, just a huge amount going on, and you've got you're watching this race, and you've got Joe, Chris Jones, Andy Butcher, Jamie Crow coming through, and suddenly you've got uh, you've got Sean Chalmers in a North vest, you've got Robbie Simpson in a D side vest, and then I'm watching out for our, some of our mates. Cameron Strachan had a good run, excellent run. He was the second East counter, fourth in inter districts. I mean, you've got again, we're always biased giving our mate shout outs here. Ben Ward run beer, great run from him. He took a a couple of scalps there. Good to see Miles Edwards at cross country as well. He had a really good run, and and yeah, just cool event. I just think it's one of those that they could with a little bit of tweaking. It could be just it could be, you know, really get back to what we used to get in Edinburgh. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear it, and um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to potentially yeah lacing up the good old cross country spikes at the end of the year and or next year and maybe having a go. You never know, eh? Absolutely. I look forward to seeing right. seeing more of that. But you talked that game last year, so I'll believe it when I see it, mate. <laughs> That's a mock talk, me. <laughs> well, on this spirit, because Storm Brandon or Brendan or whoever the hell he is, we'll get straight into the interview and we'll just call it a day from there, will we? Let's let's do that. So, listeners, you we've uh, yesterday I was speaking to Craig Ruddy. So Craig's a guy we've been fans of for a while. Craig is a is a Scottish Athletics Marathon Project athlete. He's been around for a long time. He is an Inverclyde athlete, and uh, I understand he's 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 you'll hear in the podcast now living in London, but still uh, still running for Inverclyde. And it was really good just to catch up with a guy, hear about his career, how how a top club runner like that trains, and a really interesting story about Frankfurt, which I didn't know about. So 
I really, I genuinely didn't know about the the how his Frankfurt race unfolded. So, so the interview we'll we'll get to that in the interview is Frank is day at Frankfurt the same day I raced, and it's really interesting to to listen to that. So, Craig, thanks for coming on, and um, yeah, here we go, listeners. Right, listeners, to start the year, we've got a, a real treat for you. We're joined by Craig Ruddy. So, good afternoon, Craig. Hi, Tom. So, Craig, you're a, you're an Inverclyde athlete, uh, one of the top marathons in the country, someone that we're aware of, having seen you do a you know run that superb two seventeen in Frankfurt in eighteen. You're on the Scottish Marathon, uh, Scottish Athletics Marathon Project, sorry. But for listeners who may not follow the the sort of top club scene so well, tell us a bit about Craig Ruddy in and outside of running. Okay, um, thanks for thanks for having me on the show, uh, Tom. Um, yeah, so I, I've been in athletics for God, almost 20 years now. So I started running when I was in high school, so 13 years old. Um, I was really lucky that the, the athletics kind of scene in, in Berkeley was pretty good. My PE teacher was uh, Janice Henry, so it was a really easy kind of decision to make to kind of get into the sport. Um, a couple of the guys that I was friends with in high school were already in the club. So yeah, um, joined joined Inverclyde. That must have been two thousand and two, two thousand three, something like that. Okay. Um, so yeah, pretty much just your your typical track and field athlete. Did some eight hundred meters, fifteen hundred meter stuff. Pretty much up until I was about sort of seventeen, eighteen. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I was one of these guys that was was desperate to be uh, a miler. Um, a couple of good guys in the club, Mark Pollard, Tommy Murray, and then my father-in-law, um, Larry Spence. We're all pretty good over the sort of track stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was it was pretty much um, once I got to sort of university that I started to kind of make a bit of a breakthrough in, in the sport. Um, I think a lot of guys and girls tend to kind of drop off the sport itself. Mm-hmm. Around sort of seventeen, eighteen, but that that seemed to be the time when I kind of I don't know, kind of found found a little bit of form. There's obviously less people doing the sport at that sort of time, <laughs> um, and managed to break down the kind of West District teams, Scottish schools teams, kind of kind of in late high school, and then just continued that into university life. So, so when would yeah, that was, when would that be in sort of year? When would that be in terms of years? I'm just trying to so frame this. That would have been sort of two thousand and five. So I was. I was pretty much a, a regular in the the kind of schools international teams at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that was something that kind of kept me interested in the sport. You know, it was it's always one of those things that you get you get a West District vest, and then the next step up to potentially try and get a, a national vest. Um, and you know, I was I was lucky enough that you know I had a great coaching set up with with Janice, Janice Hendry, Mark. Um, and there's a couple of other guys that, that that were involved at that time as well. Um, yeah, it, it was it was really that that kind of kept me in the sport. I'd say to the university. Um, so I, yeah, I was in university from 2006 to 2010. Okay. Um, 2007, I had probably my biggest breakthrough year. So managed to get um, selected for the Eurocross. Uh, championships mm-hmm. uh, as an under twenty, 
That was the that was the same year that I don't know if you remember Conor McNulty. I do remember Conor McNulty, yeah. Yeah, so I, I was I was involved in the race where he had that altercation with Simon Horshield. Oh, of course, yeah. So so I was basically um, crossed the line at the same time as Conor, but but behind him in the actual race. Um, he was automatically disqualified, and I got the last spot um, <laughs> for the Euro Cross. So that that was kind of my first taste of proper international um, running, basically um, beyond you know home country international stuff. So that 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 was a fantastic experience. And at that point, I think I was the I was the only I think I was the only kid actually in in the whole um, Euro Cross team. So, surrounded by all English athletes, didn't have a clue who any of, any of them were really, when <laughs> we were looking at them on paper and results, um, and they, they didn't have a clue who I was, but it was, it was, a, it was a brilliant experience um, right to that. And again, that was, that was kind of what kind of, again, just kind of kept the motivation high to, to kind of end the university years and, and beyond. Um, so, yeah, so that, that kind of took me through my... Um, university years, and then um, after that, there was, a, there was a couple of years kind of in the wilderness, not really sure what I was wanting to do. The the, the big thing was was obviously the the Commonwealth Games being announced at Glasgow, mm-hmm. um, and I think with the the standards being a little bit softer for those games based on the the daily performances, there was a couple of distances that you know I think a lot of athletes felt were a lot more achievable. So for me, it was it was really looking at trying to gain sort of times towards sort of the ten thousand meter um, event. And unfortunately, I just I, I think I just wasn't quite cut out for it. To be fair, I don't think I was quite good enough. Um, so is that when you? Because I look at your, you know, I look at your, your sort of running through those years and very, you know, eight and fifteen hundred meter heavy with some. With uh, you know, with some great times and uh, and looking at yeah, your cross country a, a little bit further, but it's around that time that you start. You can see you start to hit the five thousand, ten thousand. Was that that it was Glasgow that triggered that? I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty much the plan. So I mean, at that point, um, I was coached by I was coached by Laurie Stem, who is is my new father-in-law. Um, okay. So he. <laughs> He, he pretty much had, I was running with um, Derek Hopkins and Elspeth Curran at the time. So they, they were both close by Laurie at that point, um, around sort of 2010 to kind of 2012-13. Right. Um, so yeah, the big aim was to try and gain qualifications. But so the, the step up was supposed to be kind of 5,000 and then transition through 10,000 metres. Um, I, I, got, I got injured um, in 2012 um, I kind of had a, a pretty decent start to the season, but I then had pretty much eight months off um, after that summer season, just with a pretty bad um, hip injury. Um, pretty much just down to over over training and and kind of poor prep for, for that season to this year. Um, so that so that that kind of took a big that there was a big hit in my confidence after that because. I had been kind of gradually kind of gaining a little bit of momentum over those few years. And yeah, so to pretty much have eight months out without really knowing exactly what, what injury I had was, was pretty um was pretty frustrating at the time. So 
I kind of made a bit of a jump when I came back from that injury to kind of really just jumping up to 10,000 and 10 toes. And I, I, again, I think I just I'd missed a, a little bit of um, development over the five in the 10, mm-hmm. and over those, over sort of 2012 to 2014. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was a kind of weird and just in time because I think it was, the Commonwealth Games was something that was such a, you know, a brilliant platform for, for quite a few athletes in Scotland to kind of really take off. You know, you look at also guys like Callum and, and Derek, um, and, and even with, even you look at Butcher, he was someone that, that missed out on those games, but the, the kind of momentum from and kind of plenty of game time through those games was, was there. Um, and, and I think I kind of missed that. And I'm not suggesting that I was going to be anywhere near the same calibre of these athletes, but you know, even just from a kind mm. of individual performance point of view, it was always something that I felt was a pretty good opportunity to kind of push things on um, over those, those distances. Um, yeah, so that, that, that kind of took me up to sort of 2014. I've had a, I've had a period when I went out to Australia. Um, and I ran the, I ran the Commonwealth Games qualifier actually in 10,000. Okay. Um, December 2013. And it was there that, that I kind of, I trained with a, a couple of guys, um, a guy called Liam Adams and Mitch Brown, both Australian internationals, um, Liam being a, a an Olympic athlete and Commonwealth athlete, um, it was it was a bit of an eye opener. Um, been out there and training, training, training. Just seeing some of the, the training methods that they've, they've kind of applied. Um, so it was great to kind of bring some fresh ideas to training off the back of that trip, um, and taking that to kind of the training group and, and to the coach um, as well. But I think that after after that. Period and seen work as well. I kind of started to do a lot of my own stuff, um, and a lot of it was kind of in line with um, what what Mark Pollard was doing at the time. He was he was kind of training for, for marathons and half marathons, him and Stephen Trainer. So a lot of the stuff seemed to tie in together the same, and that was where I started to transition across from from Laurie to to Mark. And you know, I think there was a, there was a massive development towards marathons. As soon as as soon as I started working this March, to be fair, I think he he kind of had seen that the marathon was was a, a great opportunity to develop not mm-hmm. not just myself but a lot of athletes. Um, so he he kind of already had a pretty good template for training um, for the marathon. Um, he pretty much kind of bludgeoned me into that type of thing quite quickly, <laughs> um, and. You know, he he had suggested that it was going to be the marathon for me, you know, in 2015, and I was just like, there's no there's no chance I'm doing a marathon. I, I, I'm still got unfinished business with 10,000s and 5,000s, but you know, it, it kind of worked away at me and, and started to kind of transition me towards sort of 10k's and half marathons and 10 mile races, and I found that I was actually you know coping quite well with the training and had a couple of breakthrough runs in 2015, so. That that kind of I think that kind of lifted my spirits a little bit from the previous couple of years disappointment and and I kind of decided that you know maybe maybe marathon is going to be the event for me. Well, know? just just while we're in 2015 then. So one thing, you know, I, I'll be honest, I I didn't realise till I was I was having a look at some of your 
your your background. So 2015, I mean, not only did you run 3008 on the on the track, but you also were the Scotch 10K champion, which is you know that's a, yeah. that's a, that's an incredible achievement. Yeah, and it was the same. So that was the same year. I was also the it was the Tom Scott Scottish champs, so the the ten mile championships, oh, and, I, and I managed to I win that, that as yeah. well. Um, forty nine minutes, and again Oof. that was um, forty nine twenty two. Yeah, wow. Um, so I mean that that was a that was a real kind of surprise shock run. Um, I, I was going through a little bit of a purple patch in training, to be fair, um, but a lot of it was just. Lots of kind of threshold running um, around the sort of ten mile sort of mark within training, and we kind of went into that. We went into the Tom Spot that year, really just using it as a bit of a tempo run. And I think that was the same year that Scottish Athletics had changed the format of the the Road Race Grand Prix. So the the prize money that was up for grabs was incentivised by the the standard, so you day in the B standard. So I think in, in that race, it was myself, Mike Crawley, and Tawoldi Mengistab. Yeah. And, and the three of us had the front of that race, and it, it was it was basically a time trial, and we were fucking lumps out to each other for the full, <laughs> the full 10 miles. And I think if you look at the results, there was only something like, oh, I think it was like 15 seconds separating well, all three of us. Yeah, I've got them in front um, of me, so you've got only four seconds behind you. That's uh, that's tight. Yes, yeah, so, but when we were literally side by side pretty much the, the whole race, and that that was the longest race I'd ever ran. You know, the furthest being 10K before that. So, you know, I basically just went out there thinking, this is just another tempo run, albeit, you know, race format mm-hmm. um, so the pace was a little bit hotter than what I'd been expecting to run pre, pre-race um, and when I stopped to watch you know I kind of didn't quite realise that I'd ran just as quick as I actually had um, and, that, and let's see after that that kind of gave me the confidence I thought well you know if I can cover that sort of time over that distance then there's no reason why I can't run the over half and if I can do that then maybe the marathon something that, that I can Start working towards. Um, so that was yeah, kind of, when was that? So that's, like the tries, yeah. so that's that's uh, we so that, just to put that into a bit of context then. So that we're talking about the ten miler is that sort of May sort of time. Yeah, it, sorry, April. Yeah, so April you've yeah. you've run that over ten miles. You've gone in uh, through the year into September. You've had your you've run um, you've won the Scottish champs at ten k, and then later yeah. in the year we've seen you go to the. Scottish champs at the half marathon and what is what remains an equal PB for you, sixty-seven thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I was I was probably quite disappointed with that time. <laughs> right off the off the back of the the, the ten miles, I mean, I think looking at the paces that I was running there, I was thinking, you know, if I can run sort of sixty-five, sixty-six, I would be pretty chuffed. Um, but, but again, I think probably just underestimating the distance, maybe not quite getting the training right for those, those types of races. I think, okay. I think especially the Scottish, the, you know, the Glasgow half comes at kind of at an odd time. A lot of people use that race really as as a kind of marker for their marathon that they're yeah. doing in the autumn, um, rather than as a kind of outright championship on its own. Um, so again, I, I was kind of training pretty much for the half marathon, but but using really a ten k kind of cross-country type um, kind of training programme in the first time I hit it and you know I hit it quite well I was, I was happy enough but you know I was expecting a little bit more um, 
And interestingly, when I did that race um, before I did Frankfurt and I ran my equal PB, it felt way easier, and that was with doing you know a marathon block, um, mm. negatively split it by over a minute. So, you know, marathon training's kind of been a bit of an eye opener for me over the last few years. Um, but yeah, so I think um, the first the first marathon that I ran was um, Warsaw. That was 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, so I'd come off the back of, you know, an, an okay track season. Um, and I think I, I think I basically went in a little bit, um, a little bit gung-ho on that, that first marathon block. Um, so, so the way that, the way that you tend to set things up um, with marathon training is, is pretty standard. You know, 12, 13-week block out from the race. Um, and really try and kind of put a lot of work in over the over the kind of bigger distances. I think for me, I was just a little bit naive in thinking that marathon pace was a little bit too slow compared to sort of the 10K, 5K and, and um, half marathon stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I really um, hit it quite hard in the first sort of four or five weeks of that first block and really imploded in the last sort of five weeks. Um, really struggled to hit sessions. I kind of picked up a couple of little injuries here and there. Um, even though I'd had a pretty decent first half of that block, when I won, I did Dublin half marathon and, and won it quite comfortably. Oh, wow. um, and again, winning winning races at that sort of level isn't something that I'm overly used to. So I mean, I was I was pretty confident with what we were doing in the training, but let's well, see. I think just a little, I kind of overegged the training a little bit, um, and kind of struggled in that that first marathon. Um, ran to just under two twenty-seven, and really it was like the last twelve k of that that first marathon was was horrible. Um, Warsaw is not the it's not the biggest marathon in the world, so there was I think there was maybe something like four four or five thousand people took part. Okay. Um, the elite runners were sort of around the sort of two seven to eight mark, and then there was a massive gap back to sort of the two twenty guys, and then there was just me on my own, pretty much for the for the majority of that day. So what took you um, to Warsaw then? What was the, what drove that decision? So basically, <laughs> I tried to get into Berlin last minute and couldn't get in. So Warsaw just so happened to be on the exact same day, and Stephen Trainer, who I was training with. Um, he was doing Berlin, so it kind of worked that okay. I would try and do a marathon that was going to be that would tie in with the, the same training block as him, um, and that would allow us to train together. So that pretty much made the decision on Warsaw. Um, Tom was Stephen got injured shortly into the, the marathon block, so I was pretty much on my own for mm. for that that first marathon block as well. Um, and he he had previously ran two two marathons, so. I was kind of looking for, you know, for a, a little bit of kind of help and advice along that that kind of first block with him. Um, yeah, but unfortunately he got injured, so that that was pretty much why we decided on on Warsaw. It was really just the only one that I could get into um, at, the, at that time of year. Okay, and that was um, you weren't you obviously weren't put off then, but despite the the result, and no, it sounds like quite a sex hard think, second half. No, it didn't, it didn't put me off. I think. Um, if anything, it just it kind of made me realise what sort of mistakes I'd made in that first marathon block, and again, not not to underestimate the, the the distance itself in terms of the training. So, 
I think with, with the marathon, I'm, I'm always, since I've started doing marathon training, I'm, I'm always quite surprised when I see people having quite quite poor runs at the marathon. I think a lot of the time it's, it's, it's not down to what they do on the day of the race. It's, it's how they've prepared for that event. Um, and I'm talking about you know your, your higher end um, athletes who, who have poor runs. You know who you know I think you know they should they should know better. They should know their bodies better. And there's plenty of top athletes out there who still make quite you know rookie mistakes when it comes to the marathon. So um, for me, it, it it was really I looked at it as you know I, I went too hard in the first part of the block. I didn't listen to my body and. And I, and I underestimated the, the distance itself. You know, I thought, you know, you can do some pretty big volume, run quite quick over some tempo runs, and, and that, that should just about see me through. And, you know, I think that when you look at a lot of the way people train for marathon, it's, it's really about training smart so that you can execute the, the plan that you want to execute. So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it was it was more looking at how, how can I make sure that I don't make the same mistakes again and, you know, what's the, the kind of, best sort of time that I can get out of myself. And at that point, I wasn't even looking at, you know, sort of international standards or looking at, you know, team selections for anything. It was really just about what's the what's the best time I can get for myself over the next few years. And that, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of where the, the kind of motivations come from, not not nothing else, really. Okay. And that was... Um, and, and when did you... So I guess after that one, you were... You, were, um, you, you had a pretty good year there um, in 16... A, a couple a lot of 10Ks but we didn't actually see you again run half a marathon until 2017 then and that was your um, that must be that was your first time at London yeah so after obviously having ran this marathon in Warsaw the, the plan was that we were you know going to do we were going to do London um, I was pretty disappointed after Warsaw but you know I kind of knew myself that it was just time to mistakes on my part um, and what after each marathon that, that we do it kind of marks quite quick to kind of analyse what the, the, the volume has been over the weeks and um, looks for my feedback quite quite a lot just to see what sessions I felt were you know were attainable which were, were in areas where we thought we could maybe tweak or change so no, no two marathon blocks have been the exact same. There's, there's, it's pretty much been a template that's been gradually just honed a little bit and, and tweaked, and the, the kind of general idea has been pretty much the same. So, so yeah, London, London is a little bit different because obviously it's, um, it's a, you're training through the winter, so the sessions I think pretty pretty tough, um, especially in you know, and so wet and <laughs> windy, pretty much all year round. So. Um, no, it was it was it was good. You know, London was I had pretty much most of most of the, the plan that we'd set out. Um, the, the the big thing for me with um, those first couple of marathons that I ran was was the volume. The, the overall volume wasn't significantly high, um, but the, the the way that we kind of tend to um, attack the week is we would have. Two, two sessions, so so one on the Tuesday or the Wednesday, um, which tends to be somewhere around the sort of half marathon volume, and then Saturday tends to be you know a, a pretty big, pretty big session, and, and right from week one, it's sort of minimum twenty 
20 miles. Um, but I know you guys don't operate in kilometres, so I'm going to try and convert some of the stuff to miles, but we, we work <laughs> okay. in kilometres. So a lot of the stuff we tend to do was, you know, 35k sessions, um, mm. 36k sessions. So so we're, we're hitting those pretty much from, from week one. Um, and then obviously as, as the, the, the block goes on, those... those um, sessions, you know, change slightly in terms of where we kind of put the marathon pace or threshold pace or whatever. Um, so no, so London went London went well. Um, I think ran around two twenty two twenty two. Magic. That that for that marathon. Um, and you know, as far as as far as marathons are concerned, I, I, I still think London's probably the best. It's probably the best marathon event that, that there is going, to be fair. Um, the, the crowd that year was was incredible compared to Warsaw, which was pretty barren. I mean, I think I think there was maybe a, a couple of hundred people on the course um, versus just the thousands of people that are at, at London. Um, and there's there's always plenty of bodies that that are cheering you on. So to get a few shouts individually from from the crowd was quite was quite nice at London as well. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was decent. But again, it just kind of fueled the motivation because I thought you know. I'm doing this sort of these sorts of times off relatively low volume, um, so I, I kind of figured that if I could just keep tweaking things and, and increase the volume over the next couple of blocks, then you know certainly a sub 220 is something that's going to be achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so so Berlin Berlin didn't go quite as well as I would have hoped. Um, it was a bit of an odd. It was a bit of an odd. Um, kind of marathon for me, it kind of buying a bit of a, a blur, and it wasn't until the last two k that I kind of thought I'm actually on for a you know similarish time to London, and it was only during the last four hundred meters that I realised that I was actually going to get a, a PB, albeit by ten seconds or so. <laughs> um, what was the difference? So yeah, what was the difference uh, in those two blocks then to, to come out with the same result? Sorry? What was the difference there? I mean, obviously you came out with the same result. I guess you were you were saying you wanted to progress there. What do you think the was there anything you changed that didn't work? Um, no, not really. I think again, probably I, I, I've got a bit of an issue that after each marathon, <laughs> whether it's motivation, whether it's just not enough recovery time, I don't know. I tend to really struggle to get back up and going again, um, and I think that's just because I've had this kind of ongoing hip kind of problem. Um, okay. And as soon as I stop, so I took you normally would take a week, two weeks off, and and trying to get going again has always been a bit of an issue for me. And part of that's just down to um, strength and conditioning work that that you know I need to do quite quite religiously um, to kind of keep me on on my toes really. And when I'm not running, that's when it tends to get worse. Um, I think you touched on it actually, you know, a, a few a few podcasts ago about you know. When you stop after the marathon, that you know all these little niggles and injuries that you've had, in fact, they just kind of creep up. Um, so I certainly think keeping some sort of you know routine with running up after the marathon is is something that I'd definitely work on in the in the future, um, just to kind of keep that momentum going. Um, so yeah, for after London, it, it took me a little bit of time to kind of get back up and going again. But really, it was it was just kind of. Um, Keeping in touch with a little bit of an aerobic base, but no nothing really significant until that sort of sixteen weeks out from from Berlin, um, and it, and the training went okay, but nothing. And we didn't tweak an awful lot from from London to to Berlin. We probably put in a few more longer tight sessions, 
um, than what we had at London, but, but nothing nothing significant. But interestingly, that the, when we looked at, at the marathon blocks, so the, the volume for London, the, the average weekly volume was pretty much the exact same as it was for Berlin. Okay. Um, so that there's a, a bit of a direct correlation between just the, the average volume um, for both of both of those marathons, um, and and you know that that was the same when we went into Frankfurt a year later. There was a, an increase in volume, which coincided with a mm. an increase in performance. So, and, what, and sort um, of quantitatively, what sort of volume are we talking for those blocks? <laughs> Embarrassingly. <laughs> 62 miles a week for, oh, wow. for both London and Berlin. Um, now that that's average. So there's obviously a couple of weeks yeah. in there that are back to back at sort of 90 to 100. Okay. Um, but, that's very but, interesting. But the majority was kind of sitting around about sort of 60 to 62. Okay. Um, so so we know that the volume's not been significantly high, but I think one of the reasons that, that I seem to get away with that is just the fact that every week there was these these big runs in. Okay. Um, but that that's certainly something that, that we're looking to, to kind of push on. Um mm. I mean Frankfurt we managed to get it up to sort of seventy two, seventy three miles a week average. Mm-hmm. Um so again I think it's all about getting as much bang for your buck as as you can. For for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the sessions are the sessions that we do are, are hard. Um there's not a huge amount of junk mileage going on. So okay. m- most of what we do is relatively, you know, good quality. Um, which I think just means that you know, in terms of trying to get, you know, hundred, hundred and twenty mile weeks in when you're working full time is, is you know, pretty tough when you're Absolutely. you know, really struggling to recover. Um so it seems to have worked to an extent, but obviously, you know, looking to, to move the times forward, we, we probably need to tweak it a little bit again. And, and volume is the one thing that we need to, that we need to look at, and mm-hmm. that's something that we, that we are going to look at towards London. So you thought you sort of you started leading us there towards Frankfurt. So tell us about the build-up to Frankfurt, because that was a, I mean, that's a sensational result there, and... It looks, you know, the, everything, the build-up there, you, you're back running as fast over half as you have done in a while at 67 minutes. Um, yep. Your 10K is not quite as quick, but I guess, importantly, you must have been in marathon shape. So so how, how so Frankfurt, you were happy enough with the build-up there, and, and how did the, the race go? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it, I think probably the big thing was that the, the first, those first three marathons that I, that I ran were basically in 12 months. So the, so the three marathon blocks in 12 months, which I think just, you know, for, for a novice at the distance was just probably just, I was getting a little bit um, kind of scunnered with the training, to be honest. And a lot of the training that I was doing was on my own, um, away from the training group. So, it, you know, I found a lot, I was quite isolated at times with, with that in that year, um, as much as I had some, you know, decent performances. So, um I think having that year between Berlin and then Frankfurt just allowed me to kind of get back and do a little bit of speed work with the group and and really kind of build on things and, and have a bit of time away from just that that twelve week kind of relentless um, mm. marathon type training. Um, so by the time it came to to actually doing the Frankfurt block, I was I was really keen and I was kind of chomping at the bit to to get started because I you know I really enjoyed doing the, the marathon type training and feel like I'm kind of well suited to it. Um, so yeah, the, the, the block, I, I mean, I, I had a little bit more help 
Mark would come on the bike for a couple of sessions. Um, Stephen Trainer was was doing Frankfurt, so we'd a lot of sessions together, a lot of runs together. Um, so I think it definitely makes a difference having a little bit of company versus being, being pretty isolated. Um, and we we kind of had changed the, the the block a little bit. It was kind of initially when we were doing the marathon, uh, you know, 2016 and 2017, it was um, very much a kind of Canova style um, marathon kind of block. You know, the sessions were were kind of you know long thresholds with short recovery and probably just not not quite having the kind of capacity to cope with it. Mm-hmm. We kind of switched it a little bit, um, so. When we went into Frankfurt, we, we kind of tweaked some of it towards probably more of a kind of Jack Daniels kind of hybrid. So still keeping in these long sessions, but a lot of it was, was you know, you do 10K kind of easy and, and then into sort of 10K at marathon pace and then 2 or 3K at threshold pace, back down to marathon pace for 8K, 2K threshold and then finish off a little bit of, you know, too easy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we say easy, we're, we're talking. So obviously we work in kilometers. So if if you're running at marathon pace, easy is going to be twenty to thirty seconds a case slower than than marathon pace. Mm-hmm. So you know you're talking. If I'm running three eighteens a kilometer, three nineteens a kilometer. Um, so sort of five twenty mile then I'm only dropping back to 5.45 for, for easy pace. So yeah. it, it, it doesn't drop a huge amount. Um, mm-hmm. But just having some of those big volume runs in, we were running sort of 35, 36, 37k, um, with the majority of it being at marathon pace, mm-hmm. um, really set me up quite well. Um, I think probably having that extra month um, on Berlin, also made a bit of a difference because it meant we could plan for for some some other races. Mm-hmm. So it allowed us to do still in ten k. Allowed us to do the Gay Scottish Run. So it just meant that we had a little bit more time to kind of put some prep in for for some of those races and use them as, as a bit of a platform to to move forward to the marathon. Um, so yeah, that, it, everything that that block went really really well. Um, I was living in Glasgow at the time, so that. Um, Fourth and Clyde Canal was right behind me, so most of the training was done on, on there. So easy runs in between session days, minimum 80 minutes. So covering sort of anywhere from mm-hmm. 19 to 21k. And as the as the block went on, those those runs, as much as they were easy runs, again running sort of five 550 mile in pace mm-hmm. um, for all the easy runs. Wow. Um, so yeah, a lot. A lot of quality in there, and there's no real. You know, Mark doesn't really put too much emphasis on um, what sort of pace we should be recovering that as long as we can hit the sessions. So he would he'd keep an eye on it, and if if she felt that the sessions were suffering as a result of the easy runs becoming a bit too hard, then you know he'd have a little bit of a word and you know maybe just dial back a little bit. Or he would just take some time off. You know, he'd say, you know, drop it down to sixty minutes or fifty minutes or whatever it mm-hmm. might be. Um, but you know, pretty much having pretty, you know full trust in in the athlete's ability to kind of detect when you're pushing too hard. Um, so no, I, I, the, the block for for Frankfurt, everything went really really well. Like I say, I think because of a little bit more company, um, I was constantly asking guys in the club to 
come out on the bike with me and, <laughs> and kind of help push things on a little bit, um, which which did make a big difference. Chris McKay was, I don't know if you remember that name, Chris McKay. Um, no, I don't. But he, he would come out on the bike occasionally with me and, me and Stephen, um, passing out water bottles and energy gels and, and stuff. So, That's good. Um, so that, that, that made a big difference for, for that block because it was, it was much different from the previous ones that I'd done where most of it was, was unknown. That's, it's um, interesting you talk about yeah. your, your easy days at sort of 80 minutes. Um, I guess if you're doing not you know not massive massive miles but a lot of quality then you I presume that you're not having to double much it's a lot of single run but lengthy runs to yeah. get in there's there's literally I mean I, I can't I used to be a big advocate of double runs and to be fair I'm, I'm still that's something that I'm going to start playing about with again um, but I think you know with with the volume of those single days being Twelve and a half miles. Um, mm-hmm. So twelve and a half miles on your easy day, but running you know under six minute mile. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't feel like I needed to do anything on top of that just to add jump volume onto the legs. Um, so, so yeah, it, it, it's something that seems to be working quite well. Um, but again, in terms of trying to gain a little bit more volume, it's something that I'm going to look at. So certainly getting back to potentially doing a couple of double runs a week is something that we're going to play about with in the next block. Um, so yeah, um, no thanks for let's say the, the block went went well, and I think because like you say the quality was a little bit higher on some of those you know easier runs or the, the kind of easy days, um, we could afford to back off the volume a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I say, it, it seemed to be working quite well. Um, but like I say we're, we're still playing about with that a little bit. And so um, the race results. So I mean, two seventeen forty four, absolutely incredible time. Um, you know, serious standard. How, in terms of the race, I've got your. I'll look at your splits here. Um, one oh eight through halfway, and to be fair, pretty solidly run, consistently run through it. Closing really well. Fastest five k of the day was your last one. I mean, I know, and yeah. I, I remember because I was there that day. There was a bit of a uh, a bit of a headwind from thirty, uh, like thirty to thirty five k, was it? So yeah, it must have been yeah, after that you started to turn the screw. Thirty to thirty five k when you're looking back. Kind of along the dual carriage went. Yes, yeah. Was, so. was, was pretty grim. Um, no, they, I, I don't know if you know the full story about that, but if you look at my power of 10, so Frankfurt, um, it's actually, for me, it's a not accurate distance. Um, so it's not it's not an official time. <laughs> There's right. a story behind that. And what is the story? Um, <laughs> so, so, so basically, I, long story short, I, I went the wrong way at the end. I got sent the wrong way at the oh, end. Oh, no. So I, I, I disqualified myself after the race. Um, oh, no. Highly, highly frustrating. It's still probably one of the worst um, oh, games that I've ever had in, in my life. Um, so, yeah, the, the race itself, you know, as far as performances go, I think, it, I think I'll explain a little bit about what happened, but... Um, I think similar to what you went through that day, um, everything just seemed to fall into place. It, it felt so easy. Um, the plan, the plan before the race had started was that we were going to go through halfway, no quicker than sixty-nine minutes, sort of sixty-nine and a half, and, and really just try and either hold or close out a little bit quicker. Um, mm-hmm. On the on the day itself, I found myself in, in a in a group. I was at the back of a group, and it slowly dwindled down the main three others from a group of about 15 up until halfway. 
Uh, and we went through, I think I went through in 68, 40-something. Um, and let's see, come back into the city, there was me, one other English guy, and I think a, an Austrian or a German. And he he kind of kept the pace going when it got into that kind of windy block, and coming back in towards the city. Yeah. And and I just maintained pretty much my my pre-race goal pace. So I, I was I was delighted that I was still hitting this pace. Um. And it got it got to uh, 37 k, and I started to wind the times back up again. So it was I was picking it back up a little bit, maybe three or four seconds a k. Uh, back down to, I think I was around about 316, 317 a kilometre. And coming back in, I was pretty much isolated at this point because the guy that was that had kind of managed to push on a little bit, he was maybe 80 metres ahead and there was no one else around me. So there was there was kind of no real guide as to you know, where I was going. Mm-hmm. I was just following the blue race line. And we come back into a point in the, the city where we'd previously ran. Oh, yeah. So, so I just had my head down, following the blue race line, and I, and I take a right turn where I wasn't supposed to take a right oh, turn. There was no, no one blocking it off, no officials, nothing. Um, and then I found myself coming back um, onto about the course. I was just a bit confused about it because it, it seemed very narrow for, for masses to get through. Um, and I turned down left, following this blue race line, and I saw there was two English boys who I knew were ahead of me. And I knew they were a decent bit ahead of me. They were running towards me as I was running towards oh, them. No. Um, so I knew at that point something wasn't wasn't right. Um, so I knew that you didn't kind of go down and do a 180 turn or, or anything like that at that point. Um, so I, I pretty much just stopped and just started asking an official where I should be going. And oh, what had happened to me was just telling no. me to kind of continue on the race line. Uh, so at that point, I knew that was it. My race, I knew my race was over at that point. I was so I was like, "What do I do? Do I finish it off?" And I, I didn't realise how far from the the finish I was. So I, I decided just to to kind of run it in. There was a guy who unfortunately had followed me. Oh, um, he no. was he was about twenty seconds behind me. Come uh, the thirty five k mark. Um, he ended up breaking 2.17. So the time that it took me to stop and then decide whether I was going to continue or not, um, he, he kind of stole a march on the team and, <laughs> and kind of carried on to the finish. Um, so basically, I, I'd cut, I think I'd worked it out after you know, loads of analysis afterwards. I think I'd cut out about 400 metres of the course. Oh, no. I'd probably stopped around about 40 to 50 seconds arguing with this official oh. um, and then you know so disheartened that I didn't know whether I should just walk jog or just walk off the course so I, I, I did kind of pick it up and run back in and um, you know the I could see the clock at 217.40 odd and yeah it was it was pretty pretty good uh, so I, unfortunately I had to disqualify myself after that, that race um, it, it was a bit of a shambles and I was pretty disappointed with the uh, the course officials, because up until that point, there was absolutely, it's a brilliantly run event, you know, from start pretty much to finish, you know, yeah. in terms of the, you know, the way it's organised is, is is really, really good. Um, I was just unfortunate that there was, well, I was stupid enough to, to take a right turn when I shouldn't have, but in my head, you know, at that point in the race, your head's down, you're, you're not really thinking straight. Yeah. Um, 
to, to take a random right turn just isn't something that you would you would do unless you felt you were supposed to. So, so yeah, highly, highly, highly frustrating oh. um, after that because you know everything had been going so well, and I think the I think the, the predicted time at thirty five k was was still something like two eighteen ten or two eighteen fifteen. Yeah. Um, so I, I really don't know what what I would have ran that day had I actually ran the, the full course. Um, I'd like to think that I would have at least maintained that 218 sort of 10 pace. It, it might have picked up um, coming back into the city, but I don't know. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a horrible day. And then obviously you come back and you've got hundreds of WhatsApp messages, Facebook messages, people like, you know congratulating oh, you and no. stuff. And, Mum and Dad had come out to watch my first marathon, and um, so so yeah, it was it was a really bittersweet moment. I knew that I'd had pretty much the the run of my life, but it was all for for nothing. <laughs> I had no, I, you know, I had no idea. I mean, I I remember looking through the Scottish results on that day and just being impressed with your run, and I and and rightly so because it's still I think you know regardless of what you know you've had to stop, which is essentially brought out any or taken away any advantage that you had in the the short and of course it, it it doesn't will never count but you were clearly in sub 220 shape there so that's oh, yeah. it's heartbreaking uh, mate heartbreaking yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was horrible and I, and I think you know the, most people that have asked me obviously they, they, know, they know the story of it. it's not something that's been kind of talked about massively but i think there was uh, after there was there's two English guys, um, a guy called Aaron, I think it's Aaron Scott. He ran who was sixteen something that day. Oh yeah. Um, so there was something right away on on Facebook where he had mentioned it, and I I told him right after the day. So I was like, you know, no, that I didn't run the time that I ran. I went the wrong way. I cut the course. So, um, but it, it kind of got on Facebook on run fast or one of oh, these things. So no. it, it was one of these things that loads of people were kind of. Congratulations, but then a couple of people had found this link and he commented on Facebook. It was just a little bit awkward, and I just kind of wanted to bury my head in the sand and just kind of forget about it to an extent. Um, and how do you? F- how, so yeah, that, that, and after that was the, I was going to say off the back or something like that. What is it a case of? I guess you must. You're obviously gutted for for a while afterwards. And is the reaction? I need to get back on and run that time because I know I can run it. Or is it a screw this? I'm going I home think- type attitude. It was a weird one. I mean, I think I was I was so angry um, at the time, and not and not with myself, just that the the whole you know the fact that I'd been I've been allowed to kind of do that, and I, and it was a, it was just a really weird it was just a really weird time. So you know, speaking to Mark and he was then in touch with Robert Hawkins, who was trying to get in touch with agents and get in touch with the race marshal and and trying to investigate that a little bit. And basically, it never really came to anything. Um, they, the, the actual race officials have never gotten back in touch with me and <laughs> annoyingly um, they still sent me out the certificate with my official time oh, on it no. um, so I think just to rub salt in the wound that, that was a bit of a kicker I was just about getting over it when I got that in the post um, but yeah it, I think after it the first few things was just that where it was like what if I never you know, hit that training again what if I don't ever get a chance to perform like that again. You know, all the all the stars on the line that day and it was just perfect conditions for me to run that time. So initially it was just a little bit of doubt of, you know, is it is it going to be is it going to happen again? Whereas mm-hmm. now I'm thinking, 
So actually, yeah, it's definitely going to happen again because I know that I can do the training that, that's required to run that sort of time. And off off the, the volume that we were doing, which was around about 70 miles a week, 72 miles a week for that, I, I think there's a lot of potential there to improve on. Um, so I'm still kind of waiting for a sort of breakthrough run in, in the distance. Uh, just because I, I feel it's a distance that I'm, I'm pretty good at um, in terms of coping with the training and, and even the mental side of it. So yeah, it's, it's disappointing. It's not it's not the end of the world. It's just something that I need to go and now yeah, put, a, put a true marker down on, on what I can do in the marathon. And you know, there's plenty of motivation out there for people that have suffered much greater adversity in the distance. And you only have to look at Callum Hawkins to see what oh, he had to overcome you know, to get back to a level that supersedes the level that he was already at. So, but you know, there's it's, it's something that I'm now looking at as, as a motivating factor to kind of get me get me going again in the next few marathons. Um, That's yeah. a great attitude, and I know. I mean, you know, I guess the for listeners who, who don't know your results since then, so you've come back and you run you ran two twenty at London last year in nineteen. So you know yep. that's the form is there. How how was the build for that? Yeah, it, it was it was okay. Um, around it wasn't as good as it wasn't anywhere near as good as Frankfurt. I think um, I kind of struggled after Frankfurt just to kind of really get going again. I, did, I was quite I was running quite angry for a little bit of time, and I wanted to kind of get back really quickly. And I probably jumped in back. I jumped back into training probably a little bit too soon. Um, and and just had a couple of little niggles here and there, nothing nothing major, but enough that it, it just kind of um, hampered the the training over the kind of winter period. So I didn't have a brilliant start to to the London build, um, and probably it was maybe only about six weeks out that that you know, I think myself and Mark had a conversation at one point about you know do we defer the entry because you know the training really wasn't going as well as I'd have liked. So there was a couple of we, we decided that we'd wait until one or two sessions um, in races before decide if we're going to pull the plug on it or not. Um, and I managed. There was a session that I, that I kind of completed um, in the build up to Frankfurt that we were repeating again for London. And I managed to, to match match that session. So I kind of knew that that you know fitness and, and kind of was there. Um, and then I ran. I ran a Tom Scott and ran, you know, 50.03 or whatever it was. Um, so I knew at that point that, you know, to not to not run London with that sort of form was, was probably a bit stupid, albeit, you know, maybe didn't have the full 12 weeks that I'd had in the build-up to Frankfurt is, is, is good. Um, so we, we went into it, and again, probably just with Frankfurt in the back of my mind and knowing that London... Especially the first 10k can be can be really quite quick. I just decided that I was going to try and race and, and just sit in with a group, and I, and I managed to find a group. I was running beside um, Gary O'Hanlon, the Irish guy, and oh, yeah. Paul Martelletti. So basically, just in, in the them up until around about 35k, uh, and then the wheels come off. And I, given I knew that I wasn't in just as just as good a shape as I was for Frankfurt. Um, but I still went, I went through almost a minute quicker at halfway at London than what I did at Frankfurt. So I knew that when I got to halfway, I thought this is the second half year is going to be 
a bit a bit of a slog. And it, it didn't really get a slog until five four or five miles. Uh got a bit of a stitch, I stopped twice. Not not for long. You're talking five, ten seconds and, and had to kinda of get myself round to the finish. Um and I think I was I was on for a pretty decent time right up until about thirty five K so seven K to go. It, it just the wheel started to come off a little bit, and that that was the first marathon yes. that I've ran where I really had come into some trouble, uh, which I'd never had okay. really before. So uh, it, it just it, I think the training told that that was going to be the case. Um, so yeah, I'd just kind of bitten off more than I could chew in that that race. Um, probably helped by the fact that I was wearing the vapor flies for the first time as well. So the first half <laughs> felt pretty. <laughs> pretty comfortable. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so London, it, it was it was good because it was it was a PB and it, it, you know I fished every time I ran a marathon. I've ran a personal best, so that that's a nice kind of start to to take forward into the next marathon block. But um, yeah, I was I was pretty disappointed that I didn't I couldn't get myself in the shape that I, I could have ran for Frankfurt. Um, I think if I'd have ran the race a little bit more sensibly and just kept the head, I, I probably would have ran under 220. Um, maybe just sneaked under. But, but yeah, I think I, I let my heart rule my head in, in London and kind of try to have a bit of a point proven out and started the race. And, um, and which normally, it... I don't, normally I don't do. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how are things been going since then? Because when I look at your, you know, I mean, I've saved the, the West District Champs in December, we haven't really seen much of you in the last six months at all. Yeah, so um, basically, I've, I've moved from I've moved from Scotland to just outside London. Um, my wife, she she's a veterinary specialist and finished um, her training in Glasgow. So she 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 got a really good job off of it that, that she just couldn't turn down. So we moved we moved from Glasgow to Surrey in August. So I think after London, it was a case of, you know, we were getting stuff sorted for, for moving out of the house and lining up new jobs. I didn't have a job to go to. So it was I was kind of job hunting and looking at what kind of job I was going to do when I moved down. And so there was a few things that were just kind of up in the air. And um, I kind of put running on the back burner for a little bit. You know, as much as I was kind of trying to keep things going, it was hard to kind of put races in mind and I didn't know where I was going to be and um, so there was really just nothing nothing for me to really focus on and train for specifically without, with all the uncertainty that was going on mm-hmm. that, that was pretty much why I took a bit of a hiatus from, from racing it's really it's been really frustrating because I, I do I do enjoy I like racing you know I like racing a lot and even if I'm not at my best I'll always try and come out for races club races and and things so uh, and obviously just been, been down here I've, I've not been as um, present up in, in Scotland, so there's there's been less chance for me to run um, up up the road. So so yeah, that, that's pretty much where where that kind of gap's been. But let's see, the the plan's always been to to do London again. So um, I've got that all penciled in, and yeah, train trains pretty much been kind of started to take a bit of a turn um, just at the start of this year. Um, did a trip out to Australia to visit family um, over Christmas and New Year, so um, kind of figured that I would take that time, and then once we get back, get the head down and, and really start focusing. 
So, so yeah, so hopefully it's going to be game one for London and really try and use that to, you know, hopefully, you know, run under 220 and and then, you know, use that as a platform to build towards the end of the year and the plan would be to do a, an autumn, an autumn marathon. So, nice. so yeah, that's, that's pretty much where we're at just now with the training. But it's been a bit of a, a kind of funny time because, you're so used to all the, the training routes that you've got and, and where's best to run. It, it's been a little bit up in the air down here because you have to travel a lot to get places that have got decent, you know, running around about it. So, yeah, I've been kind of trying to plot where I can do most of my training and trying to kind of tie in with a couple of people to, to run with. So, so yeah, it's, well, it's been a little bit up in the air. Well, I'm glad you're getting I've a bit got, of a consistency now then. That's good. So yeah, so that, that's that's kind of where we're at for for now with, with the marathon. Well, real. Um, um, there I, you go. I was going to say a real. Uh, that's a, a real roller coaster in terms of marathon experiences, and looking forward to seeing you in London, seeing you you smash that time. Have you had any thoughts on a on a tune? I'm wondering. We you know we talked in sparingly about some of the races you've you've done outside the marathons. Do you enjoy a tune up mar- a tune up race before the marathon? Is that something you look at before London? Yeah. So I, I think. During the build, I think London's always a little bit tricky just because it's kind of tail end the cross country season and and then there's not a huge amount um, domestically that that's available. So the plan I've got um, Barcelona half marathon um, and it's a week a week before Falkirk. Okay, um, I yeah. think Sean Fontana and myself are going to do that. Um, doing Falkirk cross country and and then. Really, just looking at the Tom Scott, I think um, ideally a half marathon, probably six or seven weeks out would have been a bit better. But just with the way that the, the kind of timings are working with things, um, I'm I'm not going to get a chance to do one at that at that stage. But normally in a, in a marathon build, I like to do try and get a half marathon, let's say sort of halfway through the the twelve week block. Uh, so Glasgow's always tied in quite well. Copenhagen probably is going to be on the cards um, towards the end of this year potentially. Okay. Um, so yeah, that that would be London, yeah, Falkirk, and and then Tom Scott. Um, there's Den Haag, which is in I think that's the eighth of March, which is another kind of one in, in Europe that that would be one that I could potentially pencil in for the future for spring mm-hmm. marathons. Um. London's yeah, a difficult so one. Yeah, it'll be Barca, Falkirk, and Tom Scott. Okay, because I know I've str- I've got to say I've struggled to find a half that's sort of five six weeks out, and I'm circling on Allo at the moment, which is a great is always a good sort of club field, but not the quickest of courses. So I'm kind of no, yeah. I've ran Allo once, and I have to say I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, <laughs> You're not the first person to say that. It was a good. It's a good race, but I think if you want to run times and try and replicate some sort of marathon type, um, you know, running experience, it's just really tough. I mean, the year that the year that I ran it, um, the, that ten k section at the back was just a, a massive headwind, uh, and you know, it's it's just tough going. Do you know, yeah. I think like you say, it's a, it's a domestic race for for club runners, and and like it's it's a fantastic race, but. Um, you know, you want you kind of want something that's going to give you a little bit of a, a preview as to what sort of shape you're in for for the, the marathon, and 
yeah, I think you just need to find a course that, that kind of fits the bill. And, and the thing I would always say is if you can find something that works really well, I don't think you need to change it an awful lot. So yeah. I, I did Barcelona last year. Um, wasn't in, in great physical condition for it. I was a bit of a chest infection, but um, ran that race and thought that you know, this is something that I actually would be quite good and it's, it's a little bit later this year. Okay. So, again, I'm just putting that in as, as kind of an early marker for um, the marathon. And that, that then helps to kind of formulate some of the training paces that you need to be hitting at that time. Um, so, yeah, that, that, I think, like you say, it's just trying to find, you know, one or two races to kind of tune things up uh, towards towards the marathon. Um, certainly in the autumn, I think it's a lot easier mm-hmm. uh, with, with so many half marathons on in the cards and... There's 10k road races as well, so um, yeah, so yeah, I think the the awesome builds are always a little bit easier in that in that regard. I would I would absolutely agree. It's it's a bit of a shame we don't have a, a sort of Scottish, uh, the great Scottish style race. Um, and actually, there's a real there's a real gap actually for that. So maybe if any budding race organisers are listening, they could someone could look at putting a quick half in around the central belt in in a in mid March. That would be that would be perfect. So before we let you go, Craig, I'm going to take you through some fartlet questions, if that's all right. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. Right, so let's go for it. Cross country, road or track? Road. Pre-race meal? Uh, pasta. Favourite movie? Oh. Probably have to say Shawshank Redemption. Interesting. I think that might be the second person who said that. I've got a feeling Fraser Klein might have said that. You're in pretty good company there. Um, there go. Favourite race? Oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think, uh, can I give two answers for that one? Um, <laughs> I think I'd have to say London um, from a marathon perspective. Um, but from a domestic perspective, I, I, I can't see past the... Um, Calendar Park, the, uh, not Calendar, sorry, um, Cumbernauld, uh, Scottish Relay Champs. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think the atmosphere at those races is just incredible. Um, yeah, uh, that, would, that might just hit it for me. That's interesting. Uh, you know, a, man, a marathon man, I know you've got your track back, a short distance back, and choosing a 4K. And that brings me to actually the fact that you were angry after Frankfurt makes you feel a little bit better because I felt really guilty after the Frankfurt marathon not doing the short course. I'm wimping out because I was like, I've just done a marathon and I went down with the team and see you smashing it. I was like, it's going to just run the same marathon. Yeah, I was pretty angry. I, I, I kind of felt like I had to get that out there. So, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. Um, rest day or recovery run? In recent times, rest day, but I probably, but I think, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to go with recovery run the sure. And this next question actually is uh, is loaded by the fact that I've seen you, your Power 10 is littered with a few different vests. So I'll ask the question, maybe you can give us a bit of background. Central, Belgrade yeah. or Inverclyde? <laughs> Inverclyde, Anderson. <laughs> so what, what's that story then? <laughs> Randomly. Uh, so uh, years ago, when I, when I first taken up running, um, well, I was first taken up running, but I kind of hit sort of under 17, uh, Inverclyde didn't have a huge senior presence so we didn't have a track team so um, when it came to league matches and things I, I needed a, I needed a second claim club and one uh. of the, the coaches in athletes at the time was 
quite friendly with John McDonald in the Central. So uh, basically, they needed a, an, an extra body, and I, I ran for Central, um, much to everyone's disgust in the thing that I, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, North End Central boys. Um, <laughs> but, I, but yeah, so I ran for Central. Um, a couple of times, um, just just in the track. Not not that they would need someone of my calibre now, um, given how um, incredible depth they've got in their squad. Um, but yeah, so I ran ran um, for them just I think for two seasons. But it just stayed on the tour of ten. I think it's just one of these things that stayed there for a okay. of time. Um, and then Belgrave, Mark Pollard was was a, a second coin member of Belgrave um, for a number of years. And it just opened up the opportunity to run again, sort of six stage relays, twelve stage relays, and and Southern Cross Champs. So it was really just to get some more oh, okay. race opportunities um, on the circuit. So yeah, I was a member of the LK for a couple of years. Was club captain at one point. Oh, wow. I so uh, again, I, I would kind of fly down, do a couple of races a year for them, and and that was really it. And only only back in when's that? Maybe a year and a bit ago, did I, I resigned from Belgrave, um, just because it, it clashes quite a bit being first claim to them with um, Inverclyde. So, it, for example, this year at the, at the London Champs, if if I was representing, I couldn't represent Inverclyde oh, um, over yeah. Belgrave basically for British Athletics rules. So, first claim clubs in England get precedent over any other club. Um, which I didn't really like, so yeah. I, I resigned from them, I, so that I could put all my attention to Inverclyde. Okay. Yeah, but definitely Inverclyde, hands down, out of all those clubs. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, morning shuffle or evening saunter? Oh, morning shuffle. Running hero? Oh, running hero. That's a tough one, um, there's quite a few. If you, can, if you had to meet one one person from the running pantheons, who would it be then? Oh, God. Uh, I'd probably have to say Callum Hawkins. Nice. Um, I'm, not, I'm not overly enamoured by all the kind of top dogs in the world of athletics, especially when you look at all the stories that are coming out with um, doping violations and, yeah. and all sorts. I don't think you can trust many of them. So I know Callum quite well. So, yeah, I'll go, I'll go Callum. I like it. Good answer. Favorite distance? Fifteen hundred meters. Interesting. Post race treat. Oh, I after the marathon certainly a, a pint. Um, <laughs> right. I'd, I'd, I'd have to say chocolate. Yeah. Okay. Favorite shoe. I've yet to I've yet to run in these um, new um, Nike shoes. Okay. Um, I'd probably say that Gel Cayano. That that's my kind of standard shoe that I've been wearing for years. So okay. I'll go Gel Cayano. Classic, classic. Worst race experience. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, that's an easy one. Frankfurt. Yeah. Right. Well, that's uh, I think that's a pretty yeah pretty easy one. Favorite place to run. Uh, there's a, a place back home, so I'm from Greenock, um, the Greenock Cut. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice, um, sort of just over seven mile loop. Um, pretty much uninterrupted, no roads to cross out in the countryside. Really, really nice views over the Clyde with some mountains in the back. Nice. Really nice. 
And lastly, if you could race only one more race in your career, which one would it be? I... I'd probably say London. Nice. Nice. Well, we'll see you there in April then. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for coming on. It's been really interesting to talk about um, to talk about your your background, and I could talk. I'm really interested to hear about what training people are doing and race experience. So that's that's really interesting, and I'm you know really excited now. You're on the marathon project. See see you runs uh, a big time. You know, under two twenty and some in in April in uh, in London. Yeah, fingers crossed, and all the best for your training. Thank you. Yeah, well, uh, hopefully we'll see uh, maybe see them with the Clyde boys for a pint afterwards. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Good stuff. Right, well, listen, keep up the hard work with the podcast. It's really good to to keep keep listening in and listening to all the interviews and stuff. So, no, thanks very much. Thank you. Not not a problem. Much appreciated. Anyway, we'll speak to you soon then. Right, bye. Bye bye. Well, that was as as always. Uh, I haven't listened to the interview yet, but thanks. So much for coming on, Craig, and uh, yeah, from what Tom said, really interesting story, and, and good luck with the the future marathons that you've got you've got planned. So, um, so yeah, let's just round it up then, Tom. So you know, in the the spirit of of uh, fantastic performances this week, there's only I think there's got to be one TRS runner of the week, and um, and I think we've already mentioned his name. Would you agree, Tom? I would agree. I think you're. We we know exactly who this is. Drum roll. Callum, Callum Hawkins. Hawkins, right on cue. <laughs> right, so Callum, fantastic again. You know, uh, you know, move over a PB Scottish record. You, you're the TAS run of the week. So um, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic performance, and, and uh, yeah, well done to the Hawkins family as well as Derek for a great time as well. Um, so that's uh, Derek Hawkins and, and Callum. They've both been TAS run of the weeks, I think. I think they have, yeah. So we need to try yeah. and get one of them on the show then. Oh yeah. Oh that'd be a that'd be a great interview, that you know, a, a Hawkins a double double act, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> right. Anyway, so what have you got planned this week then, Tom? This week you know, so I've got this week I'm gonna try and front load my week so I'm gonna stag do on Friday. So that's Ooh, Yeah, that's a bit of a, a concern. Actually, so I'm on a, this is a plea a plea for help. I want to stag do in Glasgow this weekend. So on Sunday morning, I'm going to be looking for a long run in Glasgow and I could do with some company to make sure I get it done. So any Glaswegian listeners, I'm staying in, I'm staying, I think we're staying in the EBS Hotel pretty centrally down there, is it Central Station? Anyway, so anyone who can, anyone who's, who is doing a long run that either has a route recommendation or is looking for some company of anywhere between Seven and seven thirties. I'm keen. Drop us a note on TRS, and I'll 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 try and hook up with you. Well, look at that, eh? You know, Tom desperate to have, to get some TRS, some friends, eh? I know. What's up? I take it Fiona won't be going to the stag do then. No, you she can't won't be. Her, no, no, no. Unfortunately, no. And the guys on the stag do ain't ah. runners, so it will be. It will ah. be. I'll be the. I'll be solo. How about you? What have you got planned this week? Well, not much, Tom. Um, I'm going to try and, like I say, I've got this Tallahassee marathon coming up, so I'm going to try and do a marathon uh, session just to get me a slightly confident in the race uh, come in, on the second of February. So, um, so yeah, that weekend I'll do something like that, and then yeah, just cracking on. Um, we're we're waiting for the next Thursday. Are you? Thursday, so, uh, wow. 
Yeah. I'll need to get some. I need Great to get. A, I need to get a guest host lined up then. Oh yes, you will. And maybe you might get a little, uh, you know, a live feed from us. But a guest host. If anyone wants to come on and chat with Tom, chat ramblings of running, then yeah, get in touch. So as always, if you want to get in touch with us, tartanrunningshorts at gmail.com. Uh, you can get us on Twitter at tartanrunningshorts. We're also on Facebook. And uh, we've also got a Strava group as well that you, you, you can uh, join. So search tartanrunningshorts, join the Strava club. And last but not least, we've also got a fantastic website designed by Leo Connor. Um, at, sorry, tartanrunningshorts.com. So have a look at that and you'll get some information about who we are and what we do. So there you go. Great. Right. So other than that, Tom, hopefully the storm dies down and uh, this the actual podcast we, we, we put together uh, actually <laughs> sounds not bad. Um, so yeah. Well, do you know what? We'll that, see this, how that goes. Uh, the thing is, it's in about eight pieces because it's cut out so many times in this episode. Oh, and also, usually it's a I would, nightmare for editing. I would, well, usually I would edit and upload on a Monday, which it, when it's my turn, which is this week. But unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to have the signal to upload it. So we will, we, we'll see. It may be coming out. You, when you listen to this, listeners, you'll know when it's come out. So Exactly, exactly. So, Well, thanks very much for that. Tom, and good to speak to you, and thanks for listening, TRS listeners, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.